0: Build empathy with users for your you know, digital presence of your place brand. Um, we I've talked about uh, what you should be doing for them with you know, the assessment you can do through heuristic analysis, and I've also talked about uh, how exactly you can represent this overlapping user user journeys with everybody's needs in one place in a user, kind of user journey map uh, but before you normally start these things there is this process that I think a lot of organizations that are not just limited to uh, place branding probably struggle with and it's quite intuitive most of the times where it's done and the knowledge of the landscape that you operate in is known by different people in different bits but it's not made explicit so the the, I guess the point of this episode would be well is there a, a method to the madness of the initial exploration before you go into kind of the the methods of design and putting things into digital form. So I am using the analogy of a landscape here, but you know, a lot of times it can be discussed as context. Uh, It can be discussed as, you know, exploration uh, in in the design world. Uh, where the idea of a of a diamond or sometimes a double diamond is known whereby the initial exploration is represented as two opening lines going outwards and then as an exploration so that's kind of landscaping. And then in the, the exploitation of the ideas you're going down. So the first three episodes are probably more focused. On discussing the exploitation of, of design, but that presupposes that you've kind of already narrowed the scope of how far into the landscape you can look. You know, at some point, you're no longer going to be talking about your place, brands, representation. Uh, but is that made explicit? At what point, when you sit in meetings and people are discussing the digital footprint of of your place brand, but then you're actually discussing some uh, that would never be digitized, and then there is the sleight of hand of always confusing the two. Like, are we talking about the actual place, or are we talking about the place brand? Which is more the footprint of what can be represented. So that's two different things. That's why um, mapping the whole place will be out of the scope of this. Now I've used the analogy of journey mapping as if you're mapping a real map, but it's an analogy, right? And once you kind of remove that idea that you could ever map the full extent of your place digitally be feeling much calmer about uh, how to approach this process and you would also be more in line with what reality is like because there's nothing that i dislike more than techno-utopianism and i think it's because of my difficulty in dealing with people that are really well intended but have bad ideas and i think it's because like if you have someone that has bad ideas, then it's mali- and they're malicious. You know they want to do harm. It's very easy to deal. With. I mean, you know we can cope with that. But people with good intentions and bad ideas is oh, I just don't know where to start from. So it's you know, a struggle for me because it's deemed as inappropriate. You know, tell them they're they're wrong because most of the times they're very. You know they have good ideals I say, how dare you you know they have good ideas sorry good intentions mm, yeah but their ideas are not good so i think the one bad idea that i realize is trickling into digital design and then i'll in a bit talk about how that Manifests itself into place branding, the digital website is the kind of the the problem of understanding that there's people interacting on the other side of what, whatever you're doing, and it's only then in the interaction that they experience whatever you've put in on the design. And in my world, that interaction is very simple. Because, you know, this is minds. Minds are our interaction with the world. You can have debates about how much they're related to brains and overlap, but I think it's a very similar relationship to between kind of what I call place, and then the place brand. So one is the representation of of the other, and it's it's in this representation we have representations. Uh, that are done in our mind as we as we interact with our environment, and in the specific case of digital user experience design, that's a screen, right? There is someone keying the keyboard, moving the mouse, seeing something, then understanding it, and then taking an action uh, based on what they see. And uh, I guess. It's therein that the lack of accountability for bad design comes in. So you put out what you think was good design that you've seen, you've evaluated, uh, no matter what ways you've used. And then on the other side, you've got someone whose mind, and obviously there is a landscape of different minds, but you, they're, they're you're constantly trying to to do something else to what they themselves wanted to do. And I think that's the fundamental rule number one of designing well, and I would encourage people to design place brand experiences digitally or, you know, in simpler terms, websites. Sometimes, you know, there's many other experiences, but I, I use these things interchangeably. I think I can be forgiven. I think the responsibility is on people to, to think about how that experience uh, keeps the user in the driver's seat. User understanding, you'd probably recall if you had a look at the 10 usability heuristics. You know, that's a fundamental principle, and it's put as part of the 10 heuristics, but I think it's more fundamental than the others, because if people understand what they're doing, and they're in charge. That's basically consent. And it's that consent that seems to have become normalized. It's become normalized for that consent to be gone. So I want to go for a holiday somewhere. There's a journey that I go through. I'm trying to learn more about what I'll be doing. But constantly, there are dark patterns pushing me towards a certain decision, and in that way, fundamentally, uh, design is complicit into causing harm to people's minds. So I just want to say that that's you know in the most extreme, but it's a it's a philosophical way of looking at this landscape, and that's where I want to bring in. The idea that a part of that exploration of the of the landscape before you actually design why it's mainly philosophical problems it's and it's why most people avoid it because people seem to be scared of philosophizing you know about certain things you know some things they want to take for granted and that's fine you know you can't always doubt everything but at the start of a new project you're meant to explore and one of the ways to explore is look at the people philosophy that have dealt with these things again i'm not saying you should you're going to discover a new philosophy of either what the world is like or what knowledge is like but you can find out useful new ways of looking at what they might be like so that you can then design better so in the be super specific what I'm referring to here is a, a very cool rule of thumb from philosophy that I'm borrowing. It's a from A guy called Sam Harris. know, yeah, he's a, he's a philosopher. He's contemporary uh, But you don't need to be dead to have good ideas. I'm gonna quote him. Uh, so uh, He he borrows from other people of course as well And his his the way he puts it though has made me remember it so uh, the rule that you should follow is that uh, you know anything you're doing should improve the well-being of sentient beings and there are many ways you can look at this and criticize it and the one criticism that most people might go for is that, well what's sentience and obviously i'm talking about mind in the context of people Interacting with Website, so let's bring it down to earth very quickly in this example if you have Someone using your website and they end up leaving disoriented that has not improved their well-being. So it's it's in a broad sense well-being and I'm gonna keep it there because that's at the exploratory stage right here at the beginning. Why would you want to? design something that's going to decrease the well-being, or even, let's call it, the decrease the, the pleasantness of the experience. Let's, If you want to bring it down into more concrete things, you know, why would you want to do that? And I think the reality is, if you have that intention in mind, I'm not saying that it's going to give you the, the, the result, the design from the onset, or that you're going to build without parts of what you're building that are not going to be pleasant. Uh, you will but my point is then you're going to go through the other rules so you user test build empathy and then you figure out where the pain points are and remove them Uh, because pain points where people get confused or express an emotion that is not positive with your design is basically hinting at a mismatch between their expectation and what's on the screen and whenever people have mismatches between what they're expecting and what's in the world actually that's a lot of times where philosophy is necessary so you won't be able to tell them you know like oh we just you know uh we're not trying to make you crazy here you expected something that was totally reasonable but we're proposing something here and i say this and it might sound like a trivial thing if you haven't done a lot of user research but i've observed enough now to to start generalizing a bit from this, that these emotions uh, get generalized in ways that are not just limited to, to the website. You know, it's like, oh, I'm just gonna swear at the screen a bit, you know, I'm gonna be dissatisfied or like, whatever measurement is gonna go down, whether it's, you know, drop-off rates and then the quality score on a website will go down, you won't be prioritized Like, oh, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people. Telling me they feel like they're idiots when someone actually designed a bad user experience. So think about that at the get-go once you're landscaping. And that's, I guess, the one only fundamental part that I put in. But it's still not fundamental as in it's static, right? It's improving it says improving the sentience of well-being so it's still a continuous process if you launch your website and you notice something isn't right you can change it and that is it's there that the the trick lies is that we have this opportunity in digital to not be fundamentalists i mean if you boil it down all the way to the ones and zeros on the chips it's kind of stuck in one mode of you know Uh, Designing experiences, but at the experiential level, there is many options, and you can can evolve your design over time. And it's how you do that that's all that matters. Are you willing to be responsible? So, I guess here, um, what I'll introduce is. the final idea in the in the series of place running rules, and it's uh, the idea of meta rules, uh, no balance, so meta rules of thumb, which can together with this kind of protection of well-being as a as a fundamental basis give you a sense of ease in this initial landscaping stage that otherwise can feel really uneasy or sometimes actually i didn't touch on that too easy you know people just jump into one solution one before assessing on the landscape of the possibilities of, of a design so What I'll say is that meta-rules here, um, they don't necessarily, I'm not actually anymore referring to philosophical problems. So the philosophical problems uh, I dealt with in this, you know, don't make people feel like there is a mismatch between their expectation and and what they see, because that's going to decrease their well-being. So think about that. And even more practically, let's give an example. This is why we keep calling new technologies with the names of older ones just to keep ourselves you know in tune with our world and kind of the the expectations so what i mean is uh, what i've got in my pocket now that i'm recording on has nothing to do with the phone that was analog that i used to you know call my school friends from yeah with the numbers and the dial and go into the side or any of the prison, but we still call it a phone smartphone just because it's you know we can only cope with this much change in one go. So that's the philosophy side. So I'm going to put that to the side and these meta rules. There, I'm borrowing here from the work of some of the people I'm really curious about uh, their work in academia. A guy called Gerd Gierenser and his research team that focus on rules of thumb and how they're used in situations of uncertainty. And that's separate from the ideas of, um, of Kahneman and Thurston that mainly highlight the downsides of using heuristics rules of thumb. Because, of course, they're biased because they're you know stuff that you've learned through experience or gathered from somewhere, they're not perfect. But so aren't other methods. And the key point here uh, is that over time, then they noticed that there are meta heuristics that people might resort to, or meta rules of thumb. Uh, so, oh, I just checked on Google Maps where I'm at. Because, whew, it gave me a sense of where I'm at. So I have been roaming the streets that I don't know too much, and it turns out yeah, I've actually gone to the side a bit. So, um, meta, meta rules of thumb can help you uh, structure your expectations of a process, and you would see. Uh, I'm going to talk so, about some of, some of them as an example that are borrowed from evolutionary psychology and similar fields. But in our specific context, I'll mention one that I've figured out has been working for me. Uh, so the the meta rules of thumb that are very very interesting from Gigerenzer's work, and he distinguishes between individual and social ones. So in the individual ones, uh, what they've called the and kind of satisfying it's just pick a goal and then hit it well, very simple but maybe you need to realize that in 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 digital design if you're going to be designing a new experience you know set the goal of what what it needs to to achieve, which in business terms most often is discussed as key performance indicators. But then the difference in mindset of just getting these key performance indicators and just being their slave to the the satisfying is that you don't then start chasing more and more of of something and then forget that you impose that goal yourself. But it's set your goal and then hit it. And once you hit it, and set another goal, so that's uh, one of the rules of thumb. And then um, follow the follow the the successful, or follow the crowd are are actually rules of thumb as well. That you can talk about, and they tend to be given negative connotations in other thought because, you know, herd uh, mindsets, you know, uh, they can have negative effects but also we have evolved to want to look at people that seem to be doing well and the what the majority of people are doing so i guess a good example of that is when you uh, choose where to uh, invest your money why are we seeing the fluctuations that we're seeing because people imitate each other and If you do it in time, there's actually an upside. If you don't, there's an downside. I'm not sure that was a good example. I don't think it was. Well, these are the kind of individual meta heuristics that Giger and Dimensions, mentions. And then also the social ones. uh, Actually, probably butchered a little bit. I think the social ones are if you're following someone else and following successful, these are social. Yeah. Individual ones are yes, i definitely remember the I definitely remember the the last social one would it be let me talk it out see if that's individual or social, I think it's a useful one. he calls it one over n just split your chances equally uh, to something, so in the context of uh designing alternatives that's why a lot of companies that understand the process of prototyping uh, and staying open to possibilities would a lot of times split their funds in between a few teams that might compete with alternative prototypes uh, before they choose which one would be the final pro- uh, product or digital experience Let me introduce one and uh, can't remember any more of his meta heuristics, but they are basically descriptions of of general rules of thumb and I think that's still quite a work in progress uh, so I'm not gonna say again, you know this is there's a lot of caveats uh, put on here. I'm not saying they're perfect, I'm not saying they're you know this is at the edge of dealing with uncertainty, so when you're dealing with uncertainty. Recommendation is simplify, uh, but simplifying doesn't mean then you don't amend and prototype. So that's the caveat. So the for me up until now, in my experience, I've gathered uh, a rule of thumb that's worked. I'm actually picked it up from one of my first workplaces, and probably that's why you know it's been stuck in my head. But it's flexible enough to be able to work things through, and I've heard a lot of other people say similar things, and they go with the the typical questions that you're gonna go for in a um, research study, I guess, is my home theory these days, home theory? It's my home turf, yeah. So it's the, I go context, who, what, how. And sometimes I replace the context with landscape because I think the landscape analogy I learned recently, so I've just added it in, you know, in the and instead of calling it context because a landscape implies, you know, there are peaks, troughs, all sorts of things, uh, whereas a context is somehow flatter. And this is how I would actually encourage you to think about the structure uh, that I've eventually. Realized yet again works for this series because uh, I might be recording this last because it's the landscape context, but that's you know normally the first part, and then I've talked about who, uh, which is the the equivalent in my head to my discussion about how to build empathy with your users, so profiling and making sure you know who the personas are abstracted from the real people that are using your digital place brand from your usability testing. Uh, What what your website should be doing can be determined by some of the 10 design heuristics I've covered in in the second episode. And then, because obviously, I'm a, I was clear in that episode that the, what your users might might want doesn't necessarily you know, showcase some of the stumbling blocks that are potential problems, but with a heuristic analysis, you can do, you can notice where there is a violation on the rules of thumb of good design. And then finally, in the how bit, so the details of user journeys, I, I discussed how you can Map these through the, you know, using the analogy of the of the city map, the overlapping or, and not, you know, sometimes overlapping, sometimes not, user journeys, and your digital plays run based on the goals of the users. So context, who, what, how is the structure of this as well. And in in closing, I'd like to. Say how cool it's been to just talk these ideas out uh, for myself, just to shape my thinking for other forms of writing that I do, um, and it's given me the freedom to talk about the, you know, the, the distractions while I'm walking, the, the. Thoughts that uh, have come later after I recorded something, and also sharing when and how exactly, in what situations I got an insight, because I, I think that's often the missing bit from from research. Uh, whether it's going to be academic or practical, nobody seems to be interested in the experience of research. It's it's always, you know, the outputs and the the ideal methods that tend to get discussed. I mean, I'm not going to say always, because there are people that write about this, this stuff. I started seeing uh, those people when I got interested in this. But the actual experience, you know, as you're doing research, it's confusing as hell. Sometimes you don't know what, what actually has happened until, until the, the findings emerge. So uh, I'm going to use a... The example of how I got an insight about this episode, how to, how to structure it, well, in my head was when I was trying uh, to do a Bob Ross painting party. If you're not familiar with Bob Ross, go and check him out. We've got 31 seasons of teaching people how to pick up a brush and start painting by using his roof thumb instead of being scared that they need to learn all the details of perspective and such and so we did that yesterday and I kept following just what he was saying and I actually was able to do it in my judgment a decent painting but it's as I was doing it I was like oh this is what's what tends to happen like the painting starts emerging and you're not in control with your rationalizing mind until you, like while you're doing some of the bits you only then step back and it's like oh this is starting to shape up like and once you start seeing the shape then you can use your rationalizing mind to turn the blue blob that from bob ross's uh, advice should be the sky but i didn't do the sky well but it started looking like uh like a mountain so i was like well i'm not gonna force it to be a uh, A sky if it doesn't look like a sky because that wouldn't be a good painting so i was like i've seen how he does mountains so i did it into a mountain it ended up looking good so really made me think about how when i started the digital place branding rules series wasn't sure where it was gonna go so there was some unease in me because you know podcasts a lot of them are about conversations with others rather than one solo speaker but I kept going with it and then the, the structure emerged. Uh, I think that's good enough uh, for me to to realize so it's already worth it to me. I hope that if someone picks up something for lesson learn, it will benefit. All right, thank you.